to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I do feel like in however, in whatever way I can, I want to spread joy. And I want to bring other people joy. And I so part of what I love about working in adult films is that I have a very potent way, a, a very potent avenue to use to spread joy. Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. Porn. Do you love it or hate it? Even the word will make you feel some kind of way. I think porn stars are fascinating, like all sex workers. It's a bold choice that you can never undo. What if your family sees it? Your partner's friends? There's no going back. I get to talk to Siri Dahl, an empowered sexual woman that is living her truth making porn. This conversation is jaw-dropping and informative. I hope you love it as much as I do. Siri Dahl, I have a real live porn star on the deep. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I want to first ask you, had you always been really intrigued with sex and porn? like growing up like what was it that you were like I feel like as soon as it's legal for me I want to do this (laughs) I was definitely always intrigued by sex uh I wouldn't necessarily say porn because I think that I still experience the same socialization that all um many especially girls do where I I was like oh that's not for me like I shouldn't be looking at that but however, other things that were sexual, <laughs> I was, I don't know, like, I don't know how to describe it. I think from a, even a young age, starting and, you know, around puberty, like I always had a very, very, like, a very strong fascination with all things sexual, but also a lot of shame around them. Like I understood, oh, I should keep this secret, like... <laughs> Because that's sort of the kind of family I grew up in, um, was like, you know, the classic wasp family where you don't really talk openly about things like sex. And explain what a wasp is. White Anglo-Saxon Protestant. <laughs> okay. Yeah. My my mom was the daughter of a, a Lutheran pastor. 
Oh my goodness. Yes. So while I didn't, my mom is the daughter of a Lutheran, I shouldn't say was, my mom is alive. My uh, grandfather, her dad is not. But uh, so while I did not grow up in a extremely religious household, um, there definitely is that influence, you know, that kind of overlying Christian values influence, at least coming from my mom. Um, that she raised us to understand that sex is something that's only for adults and like, you know, close your eyes and like, weren't allowed to watch any movies that had, uh, that were rated R or had like sex scenes or anything like that growing up. So just a very sexually conservative environment. Do you remember the first time you saw a porno? I don't actually remember the first time I saw a porn movie in, um, like like a hardcore porn i mean it would have been in my later teens for sure i remember the first time i saw something very overtly sexual and video form was the movie pretty woman and just being haunted by how i knew i was not supposed to be watching it <laughs> but i really really liked it and so what was that bridge then from pretty woman to i actually want to do this like, I, I got a sense that this is an important thing that adults do. And as as I became an adult, as I experienced puberty and started, and I was in high school and, you know, then going off to college, I was like the older I got and the deeper into my own adulthood I got, the more I realized that for me, sexuality is an incredibly central part of who I am. Mm hmm. And it's a lot of my journey has been getting as close as I can to that point where I feel like I'm fully realizing my own sexuality. Was that for you the bridge where you were like, yeah. okay, I really enjoy sex. I like exploring sexuality. How can I do that as a profession? That's exactly, yes. And even just how you worded it right now is often similar to my own wording um, when I would do those, you know, casting couch behind the scenes interviews, when I very, um, my first couple porn scenes, because they always get, have to ask the new girl, you know, how did you get into porn? And that was always my thing. And it and it still to this day is the reason that I continue to do it. And that I came back to it after being retired is, it's honestly one of the most satisfying ways to explore my own sexual interests in a way that is relatively safe and controlled compared to if I were to do the same thing out in the, you know, civilian world. <laughs> that is such an interesting way to put it because I would think a shoot would be quite sterile and scripted and not a place to really explore your sexuality. Can you help us? Can you take us onto the set for a moment and explain mm -hmm. how that all is? Yeah, and it really does depend on the set. Like I would say that among production companies that I've worked for, it does range from like one end of the spectrum to the other in terms of, you know, I've worked for the most gonzo companies and in porn speak, gonzo is basically, you know, the classic, not super high production value maybe scene that's not scripted at all. And it's basically, there's very little introduction. It just goes straight to the sex, you know, and the, on, mm -hmm. on the far other end of the spectrum is fully scripted feature length films that are in every way a film however you know in, in the love the plot line that's like the love story now you have sex scenes that are a part of that mm -hmm. <laughs> so encompassing all that like i would say that 
it's kind of what you make of it. If I'm not feeling like fantastic chemistry with my coworker, then yeah, maybe that isn't going to be necessarily a day of sexual exploration. But where I find I'm the most satisfied with this work is when I have great chemistry with the people I'm working with. And when I feel really, really comfortable on set and in a, in a safe and supportive environment. Um, and, and by safe, I, I mean more like feeling like it's a judgment-free zone and like everyone's being themselves, which is most porn sets that I've ever been on. I've been on the odd few when I don't, I don't feel incredibly comfortable, you know? Um, so fortunately that's very rare, but yeah, the, to me, that's like the, the best sets that I've been on um, often are for women directors. Because <laughs> mm. I think a lot of the time women directors, they kind of see things more from the female talent's perspective. And so they know how to create an environment that will make um, the women on set who are performers feel incredibly comfortable, which is, you know, to me personally important for a good scene. Can we talk about, so you, so say you haven't met your co-star before and, and it's like, hi, I'm Bob. Hi, I'm Siri. Um, <laughs> okay. Today we're doing, um, you know, like a, um, oral and then straight penetration. Mm-hmm. Would you be like, would you, what would you say from there? I would say, um, well, I would ask Bob, like, Bob, is there anything that you like or don't like during sex? Is there anything that specifically really turns you on? Are there words you don't want to hear? Are there words you do want to hear? Uh, do you do you like your balls played with? That's a very specific one, but I find that it's pretty much 50-50. Like, men either like it or they don't. Um, mm. And I would ask, like, it, you know, maybe not immediately before we start shooting, but if we have to cut before we get to the pop shot part of the scene, if it is a um, a straight sex scene, you know, I would ask, is there anything I can do that will help you come? <laughs> Excellent. I think that's all really <laughs> informative. And I actually didn't know that existed. <laughs> does that, is that your take on when you get to the set or does everyone kind of do that? It hasn't always been my style. I know that when I was brand new, I didn't feel that I could claim my own power on set. And, you know, some of that was just my age. I was just had just turned 23 when I started. And and mm-hmm. I was a fairly immature 23 in some ways. <laughs> I was a little bit naive. So I hadn't come into my own yet. And, and, and I just truly didn't see myself as like belonging on set in a way that I could, you know, take those steps for myself yet. But I, I, I think I learned it pretty quickly. So what are your co-stars like? Like, what are the men like? There's, I, I think that there's probably not a lot of a common personality trait. Like, I was thinking about this the other day. I don't see there being a huge common denominator among the men who work in porn, other than the ability to perform and to, um, you know, the one most necessary part of the job is to be able to basically come on command. Yeah, that seems tricky. Yeah, and and I and that's a very that's kind of the big thing that a lot of men who think they want to do porn or think they can do porn and find out it's much more challenging than they anticipated, it's often because of that. It comes down to that can you comfortably have sex uh in front of 
a room full of people, you know, I don't, mm. I don't mean like 30 people in a room, just, you know, a crew of people, which could be, you know, two to five other folks in the room watching you have sex with this woman. So can you, can you do that without getting in your own head about it? Um, and still perform well, be aware of the lights, be aware of the cameras, be aware of how you're positioning your co-star, how you're positioning yourself. And can you do all of that while maintaining an erection and also coming exactly when they tell you you need to? What a gift. <laughs> Whoa. It's, it's very complicated. Yes. So there's nothing other than that that is... Uh... A common denominator. There's nothing that is like, oh, these guys are all really horny, or they're all single, or they're all. There's nothing like that. It would. It just ranges. It truly does. I. I. I mean, I'm just grasping in the depths of my memory of every guy I've ever worked with right now, trying to think: is there like one common unifying thing about all of them? And I can't think of anything. Like, <laughs> are they nice? Um, yeah, I would say that a great personality is is the next biggest thing. I, I mean, I think that's that's necessary for success in most fields, but even more so in porn, it's, you know, and that goes for male and female performers, just anyone is having a great attitude on set and treating your co-stars well, treating the crew well, being respectful to everyone, being professional all the men that I've enjoyed working with, it's more because of their personality and that they are nice and fun to be around. Are you really turned on by them or is it like another day in the office and you just have to make it happen? <laughs> the, definitely the former. I I am genuinely, I mean, it's very rare that I am not attracted to someone I perform with. I fortunately have like a pretty wide range of that's another common denominator, I would say, actually. And that's not just with male talent. I think that's with most people who do porn and really love doing it is I, I think we are in some ways, if you want to really be reductive, like a lot of us are horn dogs and we're just very <laughs> attracted to a, a wide range of people. <laughs> and And there's not a lot of ways to satisfy that, you know. <laughs> Yeah. I think that's comforting to people that do watch porn to believe that you're into it because I think there is that thing of like, oh, they're just being paid to do it. They're not really into it. That must be so nice for some people to hear right now that you actually are genuinely into it. Yeah. Oh, I, I am. I mean, I find that generally the people who have a lot of longevity in the business and are really successful, um, a lot of that longevity and su success comes from their enjoyment of the job. Do you just do heterosexual porn or do you do lesbian, trans, uh, mixed racial? Like what, what is your thing? I do everything at this point. Historically, um, I most of my scenes that are out there, like most of the work I've been hired, paid to do, has been straight boy-girl scenes. In, in porn terminology, we always say like boy-girl or girl 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 scenes mm -hmm. which i think is kind of funny but <laughs> it's one of those things that's like well that's what we've been calling it and like it's a little hard to change all of it now there's some stuff that i haven't done that i really want to do such as working with uh transgender performers i actually even have some performers i've talked to um about shooting content with 
Uh, it's just that that was pre-coronavirus. So now yeah, sure. it's, yeah, it, arranging things like that is much different now. And one of the, I mean, when I first started performing from that, the first three years before I took a break from the industry, 2012 to 2015, about 50% of my scenes that I was hired to do were girl, girl. Um, so lesbian porn. Wow. And that was how I, yeah, that was intentional. I made sure that I was, that I had good relationships with companies that produced primarily lesbian porn. And I wanted to do that. Um, because it went actually before I started out in the industry, before I moved to California in 2012, I had only like, I dated mostly women in college and at the time by the time i was 23 and had done my first porn scene i think still the longest relationship i'd been in by that point was with a woman for like a year and a half so do you identify as bisexual or yeah i do yes okay and are there any scenes that or any themes i don't know the right wording that you are just like mm -hmm. uh uh or are you up for you know there's so many different um categories there's like gangbangs and um you taught me something on our briefing call about like faucet or something yeah um, yeah <laughs> all of these things squirting is that all are we is it are you up for it all or is there something that you're like i just don't feel comfortable with this yeah so <laughs> i do i I've done some faucet scenes like i think one of my top watched scenes ever on my like Pornhub performer page is this one scene from 2014 where I was supposed to be having sex with my, I think it was my father-in-law. So that's a good example of the faux, the faux cest, faux incest thing. It's like, you've got ta a t some sort of taboo family relationship that probably also implies a power dynamic, but because of rules around um, payment processing and the way that a lot of porn websites work, there are certain terms they can't use to continue to have a relationship with their payment processors. So that's kind of where the FOSS thing I believe comes from is a little loophole to say like, ah, well, people want to see these taboo family dynamics played out. Let's, let's make it the stepmom or the stepsister or the in-laws. This is a very obscure angle to look at it, but do you think any of that is dangerous? in the way uh, like are there any links to that going oh well it is okay to sleep with your stepbrother or your dad because I'm watching it you know and I'm growing up watching it or do you think that the, it's obvious enough that it's not real it is usually very obvious and that's that's another key to doing any of these weird these like taboo dynamics um I think it's a huge part of what Brazzers does with their scenes is they make it so cartoonish that there's no way you could watch this scene where it's supposed to be this, you know, this guy who, you know, obviously is over 18, but looks like a, a teenager, looks very young, and he's having sex with what, who is supposed to be his stepmom, because that's what the scene is calling her, <laughs> you know, yes. and but it, they film it in a way that it's so, it's just cartoonish that it's not only does it, it adds a little bit of like levity to that whole scenario and doesn't make it feel like dirty and taboo, but it also makes it very clear to the viewer that this is 
a, this is a farce you know it's it's funny it's totally goofy it's very little of what's happening is even remotely believable so i think as as long as there is maintained some sort of clear boundary that you know <laughs> you don't need even need to necessarily break the fourth wall so to speak it, it's just as long as it's implied like this is obviously a fantasy i i don't see an issue with it because sexuality is very much especially when you get into like fetish territory like these things are about exploration and is, as long as we know all the people participating are consenting i don't think that that is inherently harmful we have to remember that tube sites like pornhub are just like youtube just like facebook or any other social media because pornhub is you know one of a, a very owned by a very very um a company with a lot of resources i'll put it that way um mine mm -hmm. the parent company they have a ton of money um pornhub's one of the most visited sites in the whole world and just mm -hmm. like anything else, like YouTube, et cetera, it's run on primarily algorithms. Mm -hmm. And I do think that the popularity of the FOSS genre is not in any, I, I don't think it actually reflects a culture that is that interested in the, in the concept of incest. I think what it is, is the algorithm mistaking people's interest in seeing age differences in co-star pairings. Right. And so moving on to things like, ha have you had to do, I'm so sorry, I have to ask this. I feel very mm -hmm. like, <laughs> oh, you're, very fine. <laughs> you're um, fine. What about squirting? Is that mm -hmm. a real thing? And do, like, can one do that on cue? Just like you were mentioning the men do the orgasming on cue. I I cannot squirt on cue and I am not aware of anyone who can squirt on cue, at least not in the way that porn likes to portray it happening. Uh-huh. Squirting is definitely one of the things that I find myself talking about a lot, especially with my civilian friends, meaning, you know, my my friends who have regular jobs. <laughs> who don't work in porn. Um, yeah, I find myself talking about it a lot, I think, because it is a good way. I have a, it's my own kind of theory, I guess, about squirting and how it came to be the weird like phenomenon that it is in porn. So there's a couple different things that people do in porn to create a squirting scene. Um, obviously there's like legitimate squirting, which is actually kind of hard to produce. Like I, I have squirted myself in my personal sex life, but the way that I do, the way that I would, the route I need to take to get there in my personal sex life is incredibly hard to replicate in the conditions of a porn set. Like I, it's different for everyone. Right. But like, generally I think a, a path to squirting is a simultaneous stimulation of the g-spot or you know the, the cervix area at the same time as some sort of external stimulation and so for me because of my own the way my body is situated i guess like i kind of have to be doing it to myself so what i'm saying is it's very hard for me to squirt at the hands of someone else and it would literally have to yes. be the hands by the way i would never be able to squirt from a penis because the stimulation 
deep inside, yes, it needs to be like almost a tickling of the cervix. So a penis can't do that. <laughs> unless unless someone in the world has a dick with fingers on the end of it. I don't <laughs> Does the squirting um this is like turned into a how-to, but yeah. does that when do you um does the squirting come out with the orgasm? Yeah. Yeah, it usually is simultaneous okay. when I've when I've done it. It's a very yeah, and it it feels to me the same way that most men describe their simultaneous uh, ejaculation and orgasm. It's it's a physical release on top of the mental release of the orgasm. Is it worth it? Ah, uh, that's an interesting question. I I do believe that it's worth it if I want mm. if I want to feel that different. Because uh, it does feel different from a from a I, I was about to say regular, but I don't really like that terminology either. Um, it does feel different from a non-squirting orgasm to me. Um, I don't know if I think it feels better. And honestly, I would say maybe it's not worth it to me because I don't even <laughs> remember the last time. No, I, gen I genuinely don't remember the last time I made myself squirt. And partly that's because I am, I am partnered. I do have a, a boyfriend that I'm usually having sex with when I, when I am in the mood. I find it more satisfying to orgasm with him than to orgasm and, and ejaculate. Because a, a, a female ejaculation is another term for squirting. <laughs> okay, so you do, you can do it yourself, but when we're watching on screen these huge gushes of squirting you're saying that's not real because there's so many things that have to happen to get it to that point so how then do you create the illusion oh yeah so i've heard of scenes where they are uh just basically emptying out a douche bottle and, ah. and emptying the solution out of it filling it with water and then squirting that up inside um, mm -hmm. and then at the, at the right moment, you know, you really squeeze, you bear down <laughs> on your pelvic floor muscles and this, all this water comes gushing out. Um, and I'm also aware of, of, uh, girls just being incredibly well hydrated and, you know, you drink a ton of water, drink a ton of Pedialyte or Gatorade, and you're so hydrated that you can essentially just pee. <laughs> You're just peeing. Wow. Uh, but it's, you're so well hydrated. It is perfectly crystal clear, has no odor, has no taste of any sort. So it's not, I mean, at, at that point, it doesn't even feel like it's pee to anyone. Um, wow. So, and that kind of brings me to my, what I said was like my personal little theory about why squirting has become so popular. I think there are a lot more people out there who are into water sports than are willing to admit. <laughs> yes and that takes me to my uh, it's, it's kind of gotten to a point yeah where when it's this like projectile squirting i'm like can we just all sit down and be honest and say like what we're watching <laughs> is is pee fetish and that's okay there's yes. no shame in that <laughs> that's a breakthrough moment for us on the date it's a pee fetish okay <laughs> so in saying that i i want to go back to that question of any scenes that you have done or you won't do because you're uncomfortable I have turned down a scenario that involved a kind of going back to the taboo family stuff. I have turned down a <clears throat> setup for a scene that was supposed to be a foster situation. 
Oh, I felt mm -hmm. very uncomfortable with that. And it's, I've actually talked to some people who have been involved in production of that type of scene. And um, it's for a lot of the folks who work in production who aren't, you know, performers in front of a camera, they're maybe just do, doing like a production assistant role, they're directing, maybe they're script writing or something. A lot of the time, these the the themes for scenes and the setup and the dynamic and and all that is actually prescribed from the top of the company. Got it. Mm -hmm. So they're just given an order like, okay, well, we want a scene with this, uh, you know, a boy girl scene that is this stepmom stepson thing, and that's all they know, and that's what they're writing around. Um, right. Yeah. So it's one of those things where I was like. Because <laughs> I don't remember there being, when I took a break from the industry in 2015, I don't remember there being like stuff out there that was like taboo foster family scenarios. And as soon as I, this came across my, um, my dashboard, I was like, oh, I'm uncomfortable now. Like I, I know people who grew up in the foster care system and yeah, it is actually ripe with abuse yes and it's very very damaging um mentally and physically to children who are abused at it at all in any environment but yes there's something especially awful about foster care because these are kids who are like taken away from their families or lost their parents or you know god knows what so it's like oh my god this is like a line that i could never it just made me incredibly uncomfortable and so i had to just say like i can't do that I think what it came down to for me was the implication of um so let me contrast it real quick with like the whole step family scenario thing just saying that in this porn scene a stepson has sex with the stepmom doesn't it does implicate like some sort of power imbalance or um age difference but it doesn't implicate someone who has no power at all having sex with someone who has a lot more power. Whereas I think that the whole foster thing does because the whole foster families exist because these are minors. They're a foster child is a child that is not 18 and can't legally be their own guardian, you know? So it's implying something else. Yes. So that's kind of where I, where I got, I was like, why am I so uncomfortable? Even though I know that I'm, okay with the whole step parents thing like what is the difference here and i realized it's because foster care is about protecting it's literally about protecting children yes and so to turn that around and like make it sort of like a, a fetish taboo thing i was just like i just can't that's just crossing a whole line for me and i haven't really talked about it to many people um so i've honestly like no idea how anyone else in my industry feels about that i but I was just kind of shocked to see that all of the step family taboo focused stuff had made it to that point over the last five years. Okay. So let's now discuss then porn that has been developed that shows aggressive nature towards women or demeaning um, behavior towards women, whether that's um, alluding to abuse or you know it's choking or spitting or um pushing around and and the woman looks disheveled or scared or it's um just demeaning language 
What do you feel, though, about those scenes or about any kind of porn that is alluding to something that has people feeling unsafe or is Mm. um, allowing people to think that it's okay to do those kind of sexual acts? It's kind of hard for me to talk about this because I feel like we might not be talking about exactly the same thing in the sense that a lot of the worst videos that I could go find that clearly do portray and even promote um, violence and sexual violence toward women most likely are not produced by the the big companies like Brazzers. Because like I already mentioned, you know, for something like Brazzers, for example, they do it in, their scenes are so cartoonish that even watching something that's rougher, it wouldn't give you a sense of like, Oh, these like this woman is in danger and she looks very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and I do know that there are companies that make that. There's one that I can think of, and I won't say I don't even know if I remember the studio's name. Um, but I did know a friend of mine in the industry who had worked for this company, and I remember her telling me about her experience on set. And I was in the back of I was like, okay, well, you know, you you got work, you were good to have that job like sounded like the scene went well for you and you enjoyed being there but i couldn't stop thinking about like but what about the people who watched that scene and the the company that had hired her was this company that does fake uh, okay so it's it's just so hard for me to even like talk about because it's so uncomfortable they do fake snuff films wow that end with necrophilia wow yeah so the scenes are obviously staged no one is physically being injured but the setup for the scene is that there's a woman who's like chloroformed or (gasps) like dies in some way um and then the and then the sex part is that she's supposed to be dead and she's of course it's an actress pretending to be dead but that the male talent is now having sex with this supposed dead body and i remember talking to a friend about this and the way that she talked about it like yeah you know they pay really well the guy's like super nice it was an easy day on set like it was she even joked about it being like basically the easiest sex scene she'd ever shot because she did not have to move the whole time because you're pretending to be dead you know and And I think it's a good example of how, as performers, a lot of us can get wrapped up in just, okay, this is my job, you know, and and not necessarily really thinking critically about the product that's going out into the world after we are, after our participation in that product is finished. You sound like you have a moral compass with your work. So you said you had this break between 2015 and 2020 and Mm -hmm. a lot changed in the industry between that time. Do you feel now the work that you get to produce on your terms is work that you feel responsible for and you're proud of because the messaging around that is so different to when a director is scripting and navigating a scene yes one of i think it speaks for itself even that my 
highest, like most top selling video of 2020 since, you know, my coming back into the industry is a video that I shot with a fan what? <laughs> who I actually met. Yes. Who I met personally, which is already its own cat. Like porn stars doing quote unquote fan fuck videos is already a, its own category. Um, and I, I don't necessarily want to get into the mechanics of how I vetted this person out and made sure it was safe to shoot with him. But I did, <laughs> I did. Um, and it's, and it's the only time I've ever done it. I have not done it since. So it is my top selling scene and there's no cum shot in it. And I think that goes against everything that big porn studios would tell us that audiences want to see. Yeah. Right. And do you feel like now with creating your own content, you can bring some reality in and do you feel responsible to bring reality in? I both. Yeah. I think I can, I do bring that in. I feel responsible to bring it in. And also it's, it's my preference to do it that way. I, I still shoot, you know, scenes for the big companies. I get hired to go out to LA or to Vegas and shoot for like the larger studios and I'm happy to shoot for them. Um, and it's, it's always a fun time, but it's a very different product that they're creating than what I would make to show my own subscribers and my own customers online. Um, I definitely focus more on reality. A lot of the stuff that I produce for myself is not heavily edited. Sometimes I edit almost nothing at all. I just have mm. a, a title sequence at the end um, or at the beginning and, you know, something at the end. I don't even focus much on like having setups, like, you know, the classic like pizza delivery boy or whatever. <laughs> yes. I, I generally don't even do that when I make my own content and I shoot, I've been shooting, especially due to quarantine, I've been shooting with my boyfriend um, or we started shooting scenes together. I started just paying him to have sex with me <laughs> the way we normally do, but on camera uh, and nothing really that, changes. It's just it kind like of the same that we do, except now our camera's in the room. <laughs> and is it weird to be like, um, babe, can I pay you? some money to have sex with me right now is that a weird thing uh no it's never felt weird in fact like the way that it happened at first was um I kind of jokingly at one point was like hey you know if you ever want to like shoot a thing with me like we we can see what happens there and he was like oh okay yeah let's do it and I was a little surprised because I was being a I was definitely being a jokester about it but then finally, when, you know, he was like, hey, can we actually do that? Like, you know, I'm, I'm down to do that if you want. And I was like, oh, oh, really? Okay. Has he done um, porn before? No. <laughs> no. Wow. He's... Is he, is his, <laughs> is his face in it? Yes. <laughs> is he like, I... okay, that he's, he's crossed the threshold now. Like he can never not be that. Is he okay with that? I... I still check in with him on it sometimes because I'm like, are you sure that this is okay, that you're okay with this? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Like, I think that's a massive, it's so different for men though. It's crazy that most men who would even consider doing or appearing in a porno, most men would not really think twice about that. 
Um, because Whoa. what's the worst that could happen? You know, you you show your face in a porn. What are you going to get fired from your job? Most likely you're not unless you're, you know, like a politician or something. On the flip side, more often than not, you're just going to get a bunch of high fives. That is so <laughs> infuriating. Like, did you meet him before you went back into adult film work? I or did. did you? Oh, wow. So you were so he knew that you had dabbled in it. Well, no, it was your career, I should say. And then you discussed yeah. <laughs> going back into it with him? Uh, I didn't really discuss it with him per se. Like, so we've been dating for close to two years now. Um, so we had been dating for over a year by the time I decided to do any type of sex work again. I had just started doing my podcast, which... I started because I wanted to have an outlet to talk about my experiences in the porn industry while I was still retired from it. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of right around the time I started dating him that I started doing this podcast. So, and he already knew that I historically that I had been in the porn industry before. I think that all of my coworkers at my, um, that former job knew that about me. We didn't necessarily talk about it, but it was just common knowledge um more gossip more or less among coworkers so he knew that about me but we didn't really specifically talk about it um as i started doing my podcast and kind of digging into my own memories of the porn industry i started recalling stories and little tidbits of information some of them would just be funny stories that i'd want to share with him um and as i started sharing more openly and you know, I already knew he was a very open-minded person and also a very sexually open-minded person. Um, so the more I shared my stories from the industry and the more he was like, oh yeah, that's, you know, he, I could tell that he was open to it and very supportive in a way that nobody else I'd dated since leaving porn had been. So that was kind of the groundwork that was laid. And, and by the time I'd been doing my podcast for just about a year, so this is going back to the, uh, the summer of 2019 so like last last summer that's when i was like i'm gonna officially dip my toe back into doing actual sex work not just talking about it on a podcast but i'm going to create like an only fans and start posting posting nude photos of myself again stuff like that mm -hmm. so when i told him like hey i want to do this uh and in fact i might have just created the account and then a week later been like hey i've done this <laughs> right um i don't remember which but either way he was immediately like oh that's awesome yeah fantastic <laughs> is he supportive and comfortable with you doing scenes with other men uh yes not only i i mean i i tease him about i hope that he does one with me someday with another man because he is my partner is actually bisexual as well so we haven't done that but uh it's 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 a possibility or I like to think it's a possibility, at least. It depends on how comfortable he is as far as doing things on camera. Because at this point, I don't believe he has any intention to just toss aside his his job and go into porn full time. <laughs> um, I want to just like shoot off some like logistics stuff with you, okay? Mm -hmm. Do you, is there a lot of upkeep for like um doing adult? filming like i know some people bleach their buttholes and 
have a <laughs> completely waxed fanny and all of that stuff. Do you have to do like a lot of upkeep? Yeah, there's a fair amount for sure. I I have never bleached my butthole. Uh, the idea of it hurts me. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess people do that because they think it makes the butthole look somehow nicer or more presentable. But all I can think when I hear bleached anus is that just sounds like it would really thin out and sensitize the tissue of the anus, which anyone who does anal sex often would know is not something you want. (laughs) Okay. So I I hear that and I'm like, God, no. (laughs) (laughs) So what happens if um, Brazzers call you up, you fly out to LA and then you get your period? What do you do? Oh, no big deal. (laughs) Okay. Two, Two things on that note. So for me personally, I have an IUD and it uh, inhibits my periods basically completely. Like I've had it for two years and I basically have not gotten a period since about the third month after I got my IUD put in. Uh So I don't even have to worry about it at this point. But even when I, back in 2012 through 2015, when I was performing and did not have an IUD, I was taking the birth control pill. And so Uh I still got my periods like normal. And the big secret in the porn industry is that uh, girls will use a makeup, like a latex-free makeup cosmetic wedge, like a makeup sponge. Oh, yes. Just however many you need. (laughs) And you just put those up. You get them as far up inside the vaginal canal as you can. Um, They're hidden from the camera. They basically absorb all of the menstrual blood. And you generally would never really know that they're in there. Um, You can't really feel them much either. How do you get it out? I never had issues getting it out because I have really large hands and like long fingers. (laughs) Like truly, no, I just, I've always been like, God, thank God I have these giant hands because I've never had issues getting out a sponge. But I have heard from women who I guess are, have smaller hands and are probably shorter because I'm five nine. So... (laughs) But I can imagine someone who's like five foot two is probably going to have very small hands compared to mine. But generally, maybe your vagina canal is like just as long. Like, I don't know. Everyone's body is different. But I can I I know for a fact that there have been girls who have used the cosmetic wedges and gotten them stuck. And like, I've even heard stories of the male talent being like called in like a girl in the bathroom being like oh my god can you come reach up into my (laughs) vagina and remove this for me please (laughs) whoa okay life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if ai could fold your laundry and some well less awesome like what if you have unexpected medical costs united healthcare can help get you covered with health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Tell me how much, I mean, this is so personal, how much, like, is a scene worth, like a, a, um, a porn scene that isn't your work? I have such a different perspective on that ever since I came back to the industry and primarily now produce my own content. 
in terms of just my own like income, you know, most of it is from OnlyFans and and I think that's benefited all performers because all of us who are producing our own content, selling it now have this insight where we're like, oh, well, I know how much I make on mm. one single anal scene when I sell it to my fans. Yes. Okay. It completely changes my understanding of the value of my performance in a scene and has also influenced what I set my own performer rates at for other companies that hire me ever since I returned to the industry. Okay. So let's go back then and say when you like started out, how mm -hmm. much does a porn star make? When I started out, I was getting $1,000 for a boy-girl scene. Mm -hmm. And this is first booking, no ex no prior experience at all. And I was represented by an agent at that time. So okay. my agent set my rate for me. Uh huh. I had no idea what a rate would have been. He And essentially, that's what a lot of agents will do with a brand new talent is they'll just say, here's the rate I want to set your scene rate for will you agree to this? And, you know, most girls who don't have any other experience in the industry would be like, okay, sounds good to me. <laughs> yes. Which is what I did. Um, and that was a, that was a good rate at the time, you know, back in 2012, a thousand dollar rate for a boy girl scene was pretty standard to, as far as I understood, I think probably even on the higher end. Uh-huh. And then what, what scenes command more money? So anytime you're adding another person to the scene or expanding the sexual repertoire. So <laughs> I think of it like a spectrum where um, non-penetrative contact, like a, like a blowjob, which I guess is penetrative, but non-vaginally penetrative, like blowjob handjob is at the lower end of the spectrum uh, in terms of the amount of money it gets you. And then uh, again, referring to like, um, boy-girl sex scene stuff where something like a double penetration scene is on the opposite end. So generally speaking, the more penises inserting in the mo <laughs> more places, the more money. <laughs> oh my goodness. But I can definitely say, like, we're talking into the probably several thousands for some of these things, if there are a ton of people involved in it. Great. Okay. So now that you are self-employed, creating your own mm -hmm. content um, on your own terms, it's a lot more realistic. You're feeling empowered. Are you back making the money you're happy with? Yeah, I'm very happy. And I'm I'm more financially stable now than I was even when I left my porn career in 2015. So now life is good. You have dream boyfriend dream job are there are there plans in the future to have children i do not want kids and it's it's been so freeing to allow myself to admit that inwardly yes <laughs> yeah. yes i think so i think so for so, i know a lot of women not just in the sex industry but um that are owning that they don't want children and mm -hmm. it is completely liberating to voice that. Is that because of your work or is that because that's just not what is for you? You don't see that for you. So I've never really had a strong inclination to want children. I've always honestly been a little terrified of it. 
it but is I terrifying. Have to save it. <laughs> you are not wrong. I think when I was in my early and mid twenties, it was still a question mark for me. It was a, it was like leaning towards no, but there was still some room there for my mind to wander as like to explore maybe I don't know is there a way that I could do that where I'd like really want to have a kid and as I got close to my 30s and you know this summer turned 32 and now I'm at the age where my friends who are my age are married and with their first or even their second kid and and seeing that level of commitment and how much work it is to raise a child has definitely opened my eyes to no, I do not want that for myself. <laughs> yeah. And own that. That is awesome. I love that. Yeah. And my career, you know, even if I, I can't say how I'd feel if I were someone who truly wanted to be a mom um, and were everything else the same, you know, still having the career that I have, I can't say how that would influence my decision, but I just take it as a like, well, now I don't have, I, not only do I not want kids because I don't want kids. Now I also don't have to worry about the stress of ever having to explain my career to a, a child. <laughs> yeah. Or I shouldn't even put it that way. Cause I know people who are porn stars who have kids and it's not like they even have to explain their career to their child. It's really more about the stigmatization that they get from other adults. That's being true. A, a sex worker and a parent. So yeah, that's like a double stigma that I am very fortunate I am not going to experience. <laughs> I have a final question. Mm -hmm. Siri, who are you when no one's watching? Ooh. I think when no one's watching, I am kind of a creative goofball. <laughs> I'm... I tried, I, I think I do pretty openly share my personality um, in a, on all these public channels that I have access to on social media and all that. Um, but I think that the real me is just kind of a goofy, a, a lover. And it sounds really corny. <laughs> no, I think that's beautiful. Yeah, I've always been at my core, like a very joyous person. But something that I've always held on to, and I always remember, especially about myself is, like, I do feel like in however, in whatever way I can, I want to spread joy. Mm. And I want to bring other people joy. And I so part of what I love about working in adult films is that I have a very potent way, a, a very potent uh, avenue to use to spread joy. That is beautiful. Thank you so much for talking to me. I feel like we could have spoken for five hours straight. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You've taken us into your world and shared so much information that I think is going to just mind boggle everyone. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Zoe. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's The Deep. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, everybody. It is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting. It's quirky. It's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you'll hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.